Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. I do like a flashback previously on it's probably not aliens and then just like a bunch of lines that are sort of like out of context but they tell a whole story graham cock graham cock yeah what are our best bits from that episode that we did last week a lot of things happened in the seven days between the last time we recorded i don't remember anything except graham cock yeah graham cock was pretty good graham cock was a powerful uh powerful emotion it sure was i'm living on the high of graham cock right now listen i i between the time we recorded graham hancock part one and graham cock part two i have released a video that i have compared to passing a kidney stone it was so long and took so much work that i basically doing stuff yeah there was a point where i was like oh there's a lot of stuff that i just did not do for weeks yeah tristan's been doing more than me i've been just laying around until tristan calls me on zoom again to record a podcast well that's not true yeah you are a very busy boy i am a busy boy but last time we were talking about graham hancock's books do we have more books? We do have more books. So last time, let's let's do a quick a quick recap for anybody. If by the way, this is a podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens. Yes. Where we debunk ancient astronaut, ancient apocalypse, pseudo history, pseudo archaeology. Typically we're going through ancient apocalypse or ancient aliens, but today we're going to talk about a big crank in the ancient, like the what's it called? The uh, the Atlantis pseudo archaeology theory. Yeah. Uh the a person named Graham Hancock who was was the uh, the prime the prime host and his ideas basically informed the entirety of the Netflix docu- documentary series quote unquote documentary series ancient apocalypse which uh, I recently somehow made a two hour YouTube video responding to. And as sort of a crossover, I decided that I wanted to get the rest of my Hancock energy out of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, out of me by doing an entire uh, two episodes. So that means that by the time this is over, there's going to be approximately yeah. like four hours four. of content of just <laughs> me getting hours. mad at Graham Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what we're doing. And who is that person who's getting mad at Graham Hancock? Why My that's Tristan, Tristan Johnson. Johnson. Ooh. I I introduced you this time. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Yeah, my name is Tristan Johnson. I I feel like I'm knowing less the longer I'm doing this two-parter. But um <laughs> But I am luckily being kept sane by my anchor, Scott Nicewander. Yes, hello. It is me, Scott Nicewander. I am the other host of this podcast, and I know nothing. Tristan says he's knowing less as time goes on. If that was true about me, my knowledge would be inverted. I would know less than nothing. I would know negative nothing. But what if it's like a, what if it's like 
I know that this is not a true story, uh, internet, so don't at me. Just, yeah. Uh, okay. But maybe you'll pull a Gandhi civilization, integer overflow, and instead become Whoa. the most intelligent person who's ever lived. Whoa. You think that's possible? I mean, I don't know how intelligence works, but my guess is yes. And I'm right, a cis- my, my big brain's going to leak out of me like I'm a Play-Doh man with hair that squishes out. You're that's gonna, why all my hair is gone. It's because it's I'm making room for my brain. Yeah, you're going to be like one of those memes where... The the people have the gigantic brains that are like an entire elephant that they're riding on top of. But I, that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened yet. I still know nothing. And we're going to continue talking about Gramcock today. Yeah. So Gramcock, uh, as we kind of talked about, uh, was a journalist from the UK who uh, then decided to veer into crankery by trying to make the claim that all of civilization, especially all of the great uh, feats of engineering done by non-whites were all actually done by an ancient Atlantis civilization called Atlantis that was full of extremely white people who bestowed their gift of knowing how to move big rock to civilizations across the world. That's awesome. Thanks, white people. And that they they existed during the last ice age and that they were basically wiped out in the younger dry ass period, which is this period where uh, the earth, it it was the period before the end of the ice age where things got really cold for a while and then it started to pick up. Do you think, I don't even think the idea of Atlantis people being white is was even true for the movie, the cartoon movie Atlantis, right? I don't think so. I haven't seen it. Okay. It's got, everyone in it is hot and they're all cartoon characters, I understand, but they're, they are lines that are drawn to be hot. Milo is hot is what I'm saying. Milo, the main character, is is a good looking man. Anyway, this got into a weird territory that we're in right now. Let's move on, please. Uh, So then he's written, uh, he has then since written a bunch of uh, books that are either rehashes of racist 19th century uh, stuff about Atlantis or uh, trying to claim things like like the Sphinx is super old Uh or that there's an ancient civilization on Mars or or any uh, any list of like all these sorts of things. And we stopped at a, a certain point in his career when we start getting into a book called Supernatural Meeting with the Ancient Teachers of Mankind. And that's where we're going to start today. So he's going to have a meeting with, he's going to have a little conference. He's going to call them into the conference room and be like, hey guys, we got to talk. Um, it's about your performance recently. And we just don't have the budget right now. And... Uh, uh, you know, we're going with the COVID hit us with some tough times. And uh, if you can clear out your desk by the end of the day, that'd be great. I'm going to let you keep digging this. That's he, they called them. He called the, the ancient teachers of mankind in at, at five P at four fifty five PM on a Friday. And they knew uh, immediately yes. what was happening. I've worked in media relations. I know about garbage day. Um, <laughs> So I'll tell you, though, um, the ancient teachers of mankind are not people um, because this is another part. This is another part about Graham Hancock's um, body of work that I intentionally saved for part two. So the ancient teacher of mankind are hallucinogenic drugs. Um, Cool. Graham has basically... 
Uh, somebody reviewed this book, Supernatural, by saying that our boy Graham Hawk, Graham here, has decided Graham Hawk, um, Graham Hawk. Wow, we just, just keep changing it. it. Um, <laughs> our boy Graham here decided that eating a shit ton of mushrooms is the same thing as credibility. The subsequent abuse and mutilation of the scientific method should qualify as a war crime. <laughs> oh my god! So basically, if you think that a lot of his theories about the origins of humanity have to do with uh, sound like he's on drugs, it's because he was. Yeah, so basically the hypothesis behind Supernatural is that pretty much all of the things that we know about drugs, because if we go into a hallucinogenic trance, it tunes us into an alternate dimension full of energy beings Whoa. who we confuse to be aliens, gods, or fairies, or things like that. Okay, so there are, so, okay, so there aren't aliens. There are energy beings that we confuse to be aliens. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that they want, to ma- they want to mate with us so that their offspring can find expression in the material oh, realm. Okay. Um, I have, well, I have a lot of questions about what you just said. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of questions. So they want to mate with us so that their offspring can do what again? Um, basically exist on the material plane. Okay. So because they're from involve... like a dream dimension that you can only access by getting high as hell. Okay. And then, so that means our parts are compatible, just to put it that way. Yeah. Um, and is that, are we impregnating them? Are they impregnating us? Is it both ways? Would you know if you were giving birth to a energy baby? Good question. Uh, if this book was still in print, I would be able to answer for you. <laughs> cool. Um, there is one quote I do have from a, uh, from another review that I think perfectly, um, encapsulates the standard of evidence done in this book, okay. which is that exactly two unnamed scientists who I didn't bribe stated that there's insufficient research in neuroscience to conclusively state that the commonalities in these experiences can be ascribed to shared human natural blueprint. Therefore, we must conclude that my fucking lunatic ramblings are the only reasonable explanation. Citation, I took tw- I took acid 12 different times. So this is, and we were, gonna, we, were, we were mentioning this and teasing this in the last episode, but this is definitely the part of Graham Cox's career where he gets real into drugs yeah, and, and starts um, writing stuff. I'm going to just put it out here that, uh, you know, I don't, I, I have no issues with people enjoying altered states of consciousness. If you like to do hallucinogens, that's great. Uh, I've been told that, you know, it's actually very therapeutic and there's a lot of investigation into using it for PTSD, for depression in ways that uh, are really, really, really effective. And so I don't want to besmirch um, what can be a very useful tool uh, for people to either uh, see the world in a different way or to legitimately go through psychotherapy. But I will say that um, the the, the general theory, and this isn't the first person I've heard talk about this, where taking hallucinogenic drugs, like there's this whole theory uh, by people who are really into hallucinogens that Mm -hmm. there's a shared experience and that people who take hallucinogens see the same things and that this is signs that somehow hallucinogens are having you tap into another universe or seeing things from another dimension or some sort of like extra extra level of 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 something um there's been talk about things like machine elves and i feel like i feel like uh this could be a very interesting episode of an educational podcast that's probably not this one that's yeah i mean i'm i'm hanging on maybe 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 idea. like supernatural hallucinogenic claims might be an interesting uh podcast episode um if we run out of cranks i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> yeah there are a lot of cranks out there but graham hancock is uh part of this movement and i think it does uh belie that like 
a lot of Graham Hancock's work has a different standard of evidence. Like, how can you get to all these things? And it's because Graham Hancock's beliefs sort of have a, like he has a standard of evidence that comes more intuitively and that his goals are more metaphysical than they are scientific. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mentioned this a lot in the video that I made about it, but he has a lot of decisions that he makes about the nature of human history that come from his vibes about things. Like he's just like, yeah, this is what- he's a very vibey guy. Yeah, like he'll be like, like there's a lot of statements in Ancient Apocalypse specifically where he's like, archaeologists have said this for centuries, but I don't know if I believe that mm, citation it doesn't sit right with me I have this other belief it makes no sense but I don't know it makes more sense to me it's just kind of cooler to me to think about this other thing so Graham Hancock is in that realm of taking dreams and visions and revelations yes. and stuff as evidence horoscopes and one of the things that I thought that made something like ancient apocalypse so destructive is that Despite the fact that he has this very like esoteric, whimsical like background, he is selling this documentary as if he is just skeptical of the science and he has his own very logical reasons for doing so that are based on reasoning and uh, basically like a grand conspiracy on behalf of archaeology to keep the field boring for some reason. I, I, don't, I mm. He never really explains why the grand conspiracy of archaeologists are working to undermine him, but that's a different thing classic leo i looked it up his birthday if we're talking about stars and vibes and things i was like i'm gonna get on the horoscope the horoscope thing classic leo but i also don't know what leos do i anytime i just learn what anyone's sign is i'll just be like ha classic pisces but i don't know what any of the i don't know what those means me so, neither i think yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to be a uh i'm supposed to be a loner who is very uh cool and detached and artistic yeah that describes you to a t wow yeah. horoscopes are pretty good actually <laughs> now that i think about everyone it, everyone who knows me that i am cool and distant and um and artistic yeah um what do leo's do i want to look it up leo's are the, well specifically on his birthday because i guess there are different you have different personality depending on the exact day you were born it's almost like people are different weird he's a great achiever i guess that i guess that's true he I did mean, achieve stuff, he, right? He, I, somehow I imagine his bank account looks a lot better than either of ours. He doesn't take time to rest. Or research. Does, <laughs> or research. It does say negative traits are um, lack malleability and find it hard to adapt. But I don't know if that's true since all he does is take things and bend them to, <laughs> to, to sort of fit what he thinks. But I guess that is lack of malleability on his part. He's bending everything else to fit his vibes. There you go. Um. So that was that. That was that. And then he. Uh, Thank he, you for indulging he, me. He took a little bit, uh, and he also um, just like sort of uh, jumping ahead a little bit. He also, to this extent, made a TED talk on TEDx in 2013 called "The War on Consciousness." And the War on Consciousness is basically a TED talk promoting the use of ayahuasca, which is sort of psychedelic tea that is important in a lot of in like spiritual indigenous ceremonies. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, like this travel journalist in the 1950s was introduced to the ayahuasca ceremony to, by like a bunch of indigenous people. And then like now a bunch of like white people go down there and try to take their own ayahuasca journeys. And it's like sort of like poisoned the like uh, like the person who did it to the 
guy who wrote the Time Magazine, I think it was Time Magazine article about it. She was like ostracized by her like local community. And like, yeah, there's like there's some really complex like colonialist overtones when it comes to white people taking ayahuasca. But that's a different that's a different conversation. You've ruined the thing that made it special. Mm-hmm. Come on, white people. We never do that. Never once. This is the first time. Interestingly enough, the next thing that he does is he decides to take a veering out of writing uh, what he calls nonfiction and starts writing a series of fantasy novels. As I said last time, probably should have started with the fantasy novels. Yeah. Probably should have only done the fantasy novels. Mm-hmm. So he wrote a book called Entangled, The Eater of Souls. All right. A book he claims he spent decades researching and writing uh, and uses all of his knowledge to make a advent uh, a quote this is from their their jacket copy to propel a fantasy adventure like nothing else preceding it oh. it's a time slip novel alternating between present-day california brazil and prehistoric spain with two teenage female protagonists who must come together to avert an incredibly bloodthirsty takeover of the human race okay fun so the book is about a uh an evil master magician named Sulpa who is on the loose and determined to destroy humanity and is opposed by a a teenager by the name of Leoni who lives in LA and Rhea a young woman who lives in Stone Age Spain um, where the two meet in a parallel dimension outside the flow of time and try to stop Sulpa's deadly materialization in the material world. This book was indeed inspired by his drug trips and his sort of idea of extra dimensional creatures trying to come into our dimension and uh that is the extent of what i know about the book but i have seen from reviews that it is apparently notable for having extremely unrealistic female protagonists and is uh, (laughs) also gratuitously violent i've been slipping into booktube recently like youtube's been recommending me a lot of booktubers and so they just talk about books that i've never heard of and never read and they're all bad and that describes like a lot of a lot of stuff, specifically any male author, I feel, is like unrealistic female protagonist. It's like, yeah, bud, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, um, so then he wrote, so he wrote that novel. Then he wrote another series of novels, which I think there are like four of these in the series now, which is a series called War God, which is War a story God. of, uh, it basically it's another fantasy series that takes place during the uh, conquest of Mexico by the Spaniards, Spanish conquistadores. Okay. Uh, so basically dark powers that work behind the scenes of history show their hand as the prophecy of the return of Quetzalcoatl uh, is fulfilled with the arrival of Cortez. The Aztec ruler Moctezuma fights to maintain the demands of the war god Huitzilopochtli for human sacrifice. The Spanish Inquisition is planning an even greater bloodletting. Man, between that and the, the TEDx talk about the war on consciousness, he's in his war era. Remember last time we were talking about he was in his quest era? Every title of everything had, was like quest for something, quest for this, mm-hmm. quest for that. Now we're in war god, war on consciousness. He's in his war He's he's done exploring. He's done questing. He's out for blood now. Yeah, uh, fun. Um, yeah, so the book is be- the book has been described as badly written, simplistic, uh, and, and needlessly gory. Wow, again, huh? Yeah. Uh, and apparently has been, and also one review said, Hey, this is great. And all like when talking about the, the history of the conquest of Mexico, uh, saying, Hey, this is great and all, but it could really use more white male perspective. <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, they're also, saying, hold on. What do you mean? Needlessly gory. The book is called war God. What do you expect? There's only one thing that the war God can do. Yeah. 
One of the things that this book is um, both praised and criticized for, depending upon what side of the culture war you're on, is its depiction of the indigenous Nahua people of central Mexico, specifically about how much it probably how much it seems to uh, lean into the uh, gruesomeness of the practice of human sacrifice that they that they did, especially to the mm. war god Huitzilopochtli, which is what the reference is there. Um, I see. And then apparently there is an afterword in the first novel where Hancock says that he describes other historians of this period as, quote, politically correct. So uh, so he goes into the um, basically he's saying that uh, that historians who write about the Aztecs and, uh, you know, try to complexify and talk a little bit more with nuance about the practice of human sacrifice. They're doing Mm. political correctness. Oh, I see. And he's like, I want to talk about all the blood and the gore and 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 in doing so wants to basically both sides, the Spanish and the Mexicans in the conquest of Mexico. So, I see, I see. So as the book goes, the Spanish are brutal, greedy colonizers, but look at how horrible the Mexica were for carving out the hearts of innocent victims for their hummingbird to the left of the sun god. <sighs> and I'm like, oh, man. Every part of me that loves uh, studying like uh, Mexica, like their mythology and their spirituality is just like mm-hmm. in pain because so the, the, so there's there's two there, there, there there's there's some stuff about Mexica spirituality that yes, Mexica spirituality did uh, have a heavy influence or did have heavily u- heavy use of um, of human sacrifice. There's also a lot of evidence that it was played up a lot so that um, it was part of sort of the geopolitical era like that the uh the the uh the people from uh uh, tinochtitlan which was the aztec capital would use human sacrifice because witzelopochtli the war god uh did require sacrifices and required sacrifices that came from war and so that meant that the entirety of like because of human sacrifice warfare in mexico was sort of structured around capturing people instead of killing people and less Mm -hmm. about taking territory in that sense Mm. And so, uh, but one of the things that meant is that they used to use these human sacrifices to sort of project geopolitical power because it would basically be like, look, I captured all your people and then I sacrificed them all. What are you going to do about it? That kind of thing. But it was like, like nobody denies that human sacrifice played a large role in, in Mexican stuff. But the, uh, the Spanish, when they conquered them, used depictions of these sacrifices as a way to talk about how barbaric these people were. And they sort of played it up and sort of made it seem more sinister than than it yes. probably was and it's yeah. like it's part of it's the part of like when you study a group like that that existed in the 1500s you need to put on a sense of moral relativism like i'm not going to come up here and say uh i don't want to get hashtag canceled so i'm not going to say that i'm pro-human sacrifice but right. uh, what I will I say, mean, I've <laughs> never done one. I've never like, done just a human for the sacrifice. record. I've never done yeah, one. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but what I will say is that if you want to understand a civilization that practices human sacrifice, you have to understand it on its own terms, and you can't just apply a, a completely alien culture's uh, ideas to it. Right. Especially when you understand that, like their idea of the cosmology of the world and everything like that. it gets, it gets a yeah. lot more complicated. Um, anyways, uh, instead Graham Hancock's novels, apparently just, just wade into like, Oh, look how gross and evil this is. And it's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, yes. It's yucky. Look how yucky it is. Aren't, I'm, I'm, I'm right. Right guys. I'm right. Says Graham Hancock. Yeah. Uh, but then he decided to come back in 2015 
2015 with a book called Magicians of the Gods, the forgotten okay. the forgotten wisdom of Earth's lost civilization. So, okay, hold on now. We had Chariots of the Gods, and then we had Fingerprints of the Gods, and now we have Magicians, magicians of the Gods. What does that mean? Magicians, the gods had magicians. They were big fans, and they had their own personal magicians with them. Am I close? I think that this has to do with the people who are spreading the uh, the wealth of Atlantis to uh, all of these civilizations that then people would say and attribute to the gods. Okay. So, you know, the, the Atlanteans come down to Mexico and teach the primitive Mexicans to move big rock. And in doing right. so, they're, in their myths, they would say that these people are like magical or they're, they're like, you know, messengers of the gods or whatever. Gotcha. So, all right. This is uh, essentially a sequel to fingerprints of the gods uh, came out for its 20th anniversary and it's built on the premise that uh, it's still it's still building on Hancock's whole thing about there being a lost civilization in prehistory that was destroyed in a global catastrophe of course yes um, the main thing though is that he introduces a new aspect to this which is that he talks about a thing called the younger dry ass impact hypothesis which is a um, a sort of fringe hypothesis in geology about what caused the Younger Dryas period, which was this um, this period near the end of the Ice Age, the last Ice Age, where things got mm-hmm. a lot colder for a little while before it got warmed up again. And the general theory about what happened is that there was a place called Lake Agassiz, which was this massive lake in uh, what would be modern day Manitoba. All right. Uh, so for like, you know, in Canada, we like sort of north of the north of the, the Dakotas kind of. Gotcha. It sounded Canadian. It is. Yeah. Uh, and what happened was, is that the temperature started warming up a little bit towards the end of the Ice Age, and that led to... Uh, a bunch of the like a lot of like Canadian a lot of Canada and uh, like the prairies the reason why the prairies are so flat is because they were covered in glaciers at this point and oh. enough of the glaciers melted so that almost like a dam breaking like 15 or over 10,000 cubic kilometers of water went from this lake into the ocean and what that did was like rapidly desalinate the oceans um, so basically introduced a whole bunch of fresh water into the oceans right which then caused a change to the uh, flow patterns of the ocean and led to a very cold, very dry period for a while. And this is responsible for killing a lot of the um, a lot of the Ice Age animals that you probably know of. Like this is Aww. the thing that like this is the thing that like was the the sort of end period Man, of the Pleistocene. That's sad. I'm sorry. I mean, I didn't have anything to do with it, but I'll still apologize. But that's how geologists think about it, according to Graham Hancock and the people. Yeah, who so what's Graham boy think about it though? Well, what is he, his vibe on it? He taps into this fringe hypothesis that the the uh, younger Dryas wasn't created by this uh, this sort of change, but it was actually created by a asteroid that impacted oh, the Earth. That's much that cooler. Yeah, much cooler. Where would it impact them? Uh, they Where, say that it, it broke impact? up. Also, Manitoba. No, it broke up and landed in several places. 
okay. and uh, apparently, coincidentally, it landed in places that were just right to destroy all evidence of that previous civilization. Oh, that, that's right. Um, the asteroids got our homework again. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was the sort of the, the thing. And then, you know, sea level rise as a result and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Dang. They hit. They got us. Well, there's no way not to prove it. There's no way to unprove it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I guess he's on to something. So in this book, though, he like gets into sites like Gobekli Tepe, which is a extremely fascinating site in Turkey that might be like some of the oldest buildings we've ever found. It's a megalith that was made like uh, almost 7000 years before the pyramids. Oh, wow. Like it's the pyramids it, are old. Yeah, it's like um, it's like a it's a, uh, a temple or like sort of like a some sort of like stone complex that is that was built by people who had not yet discovered farming. So like it's preposterously old. We got to do an episode about that. I bet we probably will and stuff. Yeah, I, I talked about it a bit in ancient apocalypse, but I imagine that they get there at some point. But they also talk about Baalbek, uh, the Great Sphinx, the pyramids of Giza. And uh, basically he goes between saying that they're either a lot older than archaeologists seem to think and that they're from this ancient civilization or that they were inspired by these ancient civilizations and therefore uh, didn't make it themselves. A lot of academic reviewers have read this book and pointed out that Hancock makes a lot of factual errors and does a lot of selective use of evidence and logical fallacies are found in the page of this book. You don't say. Yeah, I've got one. I've got one review from an author by the name of uh, a skeptic author by the name of Jason Colvito or Colavito, who said it's, quote, not a good book by either the standards (laughs) of entertainment or science. Describing it as derivative of previous works of catastrophist pseudo-archaeology and saying that it showed, quote, quote, Hancock at his worst, angry, petulant, and slipshod. Wow. So despite- That's a good SAT word. Yeah. So despite him being, uh, like, this being full of factual errors and a lot of problems, seven years after its release- it becomes the primary basis for Ancient Apocalypse. Okay. Ancient Apocalypse is mostly an adaptation of this and his next book, which I'll get to in a second. So this was bad. Let's make a TV show about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, the next one is uh, is a book called America Before the Key to Earth's Lost Civilization. He's in a lot. See, now he's in a lost civilization. Thing. Yeah. Well, I guess he's always been that way, right? Wasn't it one of his first ones about lost civilization? Yeah, that's, that's his greater, that's his big work in life. Yeah, evidence of Earth's lost civilization, uh, the origins of, no, the quest quest for the lost civilization. Wow, it's got quest and lost civilization there in, in Heaven's Mirror. This is his, this is our boy back to form. Yeah. Earth's lost civilization. I guess the novels didn't work out for him. Um, no. But America Before um, has, a, a, I'll start with a review that I liked a lot, which as a geologist who is personally familiar with some of the places and people Graham references, I can say the man is both a liar and, or a idiot. He's a liar or an idiot. So uh, I've also seen it described as uh, a, a carefully picked set of ge- of genuine scientific notions mixed with a few pseudo-archaeological ideas, like similarities between the Egyptian and Native American cultures, to set up Hancock for his final pitch, one that he holds back until he thinks he's won over the lay reader. His easy-to-read writing style makes the reader comfortable and probably sympathetic to him personally. He carefully poisons the well here and there with, the skeptics will say, etc., which... Mm. To, to viewers of this show or listeners of this show and viewers of uh, ancient aliens will probably know that that's a common tactic. Yeah. Mainstream.
extreme archaeologists say this, but millions of people around the world think it's this other thing. But the thing is that his conclusion can't be tested by science because it isn't within the realm of science. So what's he what's he claiming about in this one? Basically, uh, it's it's magicians of the gods, but in America. Oh, okay. With sites like uh, the uh, the Serpent Mound and Poverty Point and and stuff like that. Okay, so it's the American version. He took he was like remember the remember the hit show The Office. Let's make the American version. It's gonna be even better. Exactly. There is a part that he does talk about that doesn't get that uh, that in his conclusion he gets to only after he's really sold you, and that is that there's an advanced civilization evolving in North America during the Ice Age that quote transcended leverage and mechanical advantage and learned to manipulate matter and energy by deploying powers of consciousness that we have not yet begun to tap. Where do you think okay. those powers of consciousness came from? Oh, I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. A little, a little uh, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Well, this is where he's he's trying to pull his his definitely not a racist card in 2019 with this book, saying that actually the super advanced civilization was in the Americas and were the ancestors of indigenous people, and they became so advanced because they did enough drugs that they learned all of the secrets of how to move like basically. Basically, ESP. <laughs> they did drugs enough to move their mind, to move stuff with their minds. Mm-hmm. So basically, this lost civilization used telepathy, remote viewing, telekinesis, and healing powers to transmit their legacy to the world. That's pretty cool. It's weird that that part didn't make it into the documentary at all. Do you think that's how Matilda does it? Yes, she is an ancient Atlantean. I've always suspected as such. That makes mm-hmm. sense to me. Oh man, the Trunchbull being uh, the entire field of like mainstream archaeology (laughs) and Miss Honey being Graham Hancock. (laughs) All right, folks, you know that I have driven myself half mad delving the internet for answers to the most wild of conspiracy theories, right? But here's something that's absolutely not debunkable. Your online privacy is more important than ever. That's why I use NordVPN. But wait, this isn't your ordinary VPN. With just a single click, I can stay safe from Eric Von Daniken, I mean malware, while traveling virtually through time Time and space, space. all without missing my favorite content. Talk about staying grounded, huh? So listen up, go to nordvpn.com slash probably not aliens and get an exclusive NordVPN deal. It's risk-free with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Plus, every purchase of a two-year plan gets you four bonus months. Can you believe that? (laughs) Protect yourself from online threats while you're out there debunking ancient aliens. Wait, don't do that. Don't, no, that's, that's me. I do that. You, you listen to the show. Don't, don't move into my turf. If you move in on my turf, I swear to God. Anyways, don't wait. Get NordVPN now. I don't even know where to go from here. This is all just, it It feels, it, because was, I'm going to guess, was he also trying to say that the, that these ancient people were white? Did he say that part? This it? part he didn't. This part he was definitely trying to, to say, look how not racist I am. I'm now saying that gotcha. the Atlanteans were Native Americans. All right. Um, well, that's something, I guess. Yeah, 2019, better late than never, I guess. Um, but apparently, like, I have one, I have one little bit review that, that I think sums up the feeling. Uh, the best, which is, I wondered throughout the entire book what mechanism he would suggest. I 
honestly thought it would be the power of oral history, perhaps tied to mnemonic devices, figurines, rock art landscapes, or religious ritual to ensure fidelity. I was not expecting ESP. <laughs> like, yeah, there's like, it's so, it would be so much more interesting, I think, to be like, yeah, all of the, like, the culture itself and like, yeah, the oral history and things like that. And it's like, no, dude, they had, they had big brain powers. They were all Professor X back in the day. Mm-hmm. So then- Because of drugs. Yep. Uh, and that brings us to 2022's Netflix documentary, Ancient Apocalypse, which is basically a rehash of those last two books and features a lot of Joe Rogan. Because I don't know if I mentioned this, but he goes on Joe Rogan a lot. And Joe Rogan really likes a lot of these ideas. And you know how Joe Rogan kind of loves hallucinogens. So this kind of fits. He sure does. Joe Rogan, man. Yeah. So, so good. What a good boy. What a person who is doing good things for this society. He's only good things and never anything bad or questionable. Mm-hmm. This guy. Um, But yeah, kind of to dig into it a little From bit. From Fear Factor? That Joe Rogan? He's got a podcast? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. What? Boy, boy has this new stuff happened. This is news to happen. me. I got to listen to it. I bet I'm going to love it. Oh, man. I knew I knew a guy who liked the Joe Rogan experience, and um, it didn't take very long to go from that into what's wrong with being proud of being white in a, a surprisingly Uh-oh. short period of time. And I was like, Uh-oh. I have to go now. Whoops. Yeah. Whoops, whoops, whoops. So 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 to kind of uh, to kind of like uh, to to kind of step back a little bit and think about this, like uh, uh, that's the name of your channel. Um, why am I being such an angry person at this one guy? Well, not only is he wrong, which is apparently a thing I cannot abide, but um, no, but the thing is it. that this um, this ancient civilization thing does tap into a lot of white supremacist and racist philosophies that come from the 19th century and is built primarily upon the idea that people who were not European could not possibly have done all of these amazing things. Does this not sound familiar for everybody here? The series that he does has a lot of stuff where he uh, interviews people with selective editing like uh, Jeffrey McCafferty who is a uh, expert on the site of Cholula um, who he interviews and has some extremely carefully cut sections to make it sound like this uh, mainstream archaeologist agrees with him and has like mm-hmm. now gone to the record about how he's been deceptively edited and like several people who've been on Ancient Apocalypse all the people who basically were experts he talked to have had to like talk about like how they were tricked into doing this documentary and led into it under false pretenses and yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Not a great move for, uh, but then he does have some people on like Marco Vigato, who is another, um, another like, uh, Atlantis, uh, writer. He wrote a book about Atlantis a while back that, uh, I was basically, uh, Vigato's body of work in a book called the empires of Atlantis has been des- described as, uh, one of the most white supremacist racist books that they've ever seen with the primary project mm. of trying to make the case that the, um, the, the roots of civilization are in Atlantis and not Africa. Africa. And they're all white, I imagine, mm-hmm. in Atlantis. Yeah. And so in many ways, like the way that he talks now, maybe maybe this uh, 2019 book exonerates him in some capacity. But in many ways, he does a lot of what Donald Trump does, where he comes right up to the edge of saying the thing uh, just enough mm-hmm. that the people who who know what he's talking about will say will take it as like, oh, he's talking to us. Yeah. But uh, the people who don't will be like, mm, like, well, we'll we'll not get it or he'll be able to dismiss it as him just asking questions or it's just a joke or gotcha. whatever. sort of like a dog whistle sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And furthermore, Graham Hancock's been embraced by the internet culture wars. Uh, so this is going to get a lot more normal. Cool. Uh, Ancient Apocalypse is sort of in the same vein as people like Joe Rogan or, or Tucker yep. Carlson, the intellectual dark web, where he has referred to him as being, uh, let's see, he has been, re- he has like done stuff like retweeted positively stuff from Matt Walsh. Oh boy. He's done stuff like refer to the academics who criticize him as woke and has on the Joe Rogan oh. podcast say how he's being canceled for his uh, for his talks. Okay. So here's, this is the thing. Everything that we've been talking about Graham Hancock with so far, I just thought he was a person with bad ideas, but he was just so committed to those bad ideas that he was just like, I don't know, whatever. But now he's like doing, he's like saying all of the words. He's saying all of the, all of the buzzwords that, that people want to hear from him. And it like, oh, I've been canceled by the woke mob or whatever. And it's like, all right, now you, you are definitely not just like a, you're not just like a, a, a weirdo with, with bad ideas you are like actively trying it feels like you're actively trying to harm people now I think he's I think if anything he's trying to use the like he's trying to use the right wing reactionary sphere who he has surrounded himself with to yeah. basically take his side in this argument that he's this fight he's been trying to have for decades mm-hmm. um, and given that we've sort of collectively lost connection with reality it seems to work really well so um, and I'll just mentioned before we go to kind of fit into where he fits into the greater sphere one of his biggest fans who made a video talking about how great he is you can't find this video anymore because the guy's name is jake angeli who you might know more through his media nickname of the QAnon shaman so oh <laughs> yeah that's no good and i would say that also this is like in many ways i would also say the ancient apocalypse is actually kind of mild and that ancient aliens, which we'll probably talk to in the time to come, is a lot worse because because a, a ancient aliens does actually have people like Tucker Carlson come on as guests and write some weird episodes where they're weirdly pro Russia and stuff like that. So you know we've yeah. got a whole lot of fun stuff coming up in the future. But if you wanna if you wanna get one clue, like ancient aliens and ancient apocalypse and a lot of this stuff is actually very popular with like your conservative Fox News watching reactionary types, your aunts and uncles and such. Yeah, and. I think that there's something to be said about like everybody felt so shocked and appalled in 2016 when like the collective American right like lost its connection with reality and now are just buying into any conspiracy theory they can find and don't seem to have any sort of way to build coherent thoughts anymore to the point where I think that in many ways the election last year in the US the Republicans seem to like not perform as well as they did because they just got so wrapped up in weird culture war stuff that they sort of alienated a lot of people mm. that and the fact that just so many conservatives died of covid for some mysterious reason um but i think though that there has something to say about that there's been this very easy to make cheap content like ancient aliens like ancient apocalypse that has been proliferating on basic cable for years on channels that are mm. supposed to have uh, reputations for being scientific and educational like discovery and science and history and such and i think that that has played a role in the collective like just like if you buy into like i i always 
point out that like one of the number one signs that someone will believe in a conspiracy theory is if they already believe in another conspiracy theory. Like it's yes. onboarding people into uh, these weird esoteric spaces that I've mentioned several times have connections to the far right. And I think that this part of the radicalization process through basic cable doesn't get talked about as much because, you know, fancy upper middle class journalists don't watch basic cable. They don't so they don't really know like what the uncles and aunts are watching every night on TV. They no. think they 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 so they saw everything through the lens of like social media and Twitter because that's the way they saw things when that's not how most people interact with media. Yeah. You're losing touch with with I guess how how people are actually being exposed to this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And in doing so and, and, and in, in many ways I think there's something a bit hypocritical where a lot of the reaction only came out when it was for ancient apocalypse. Why? Because ancient apocalypse was on Netflix which is a thing that the upper middle class sort of journalistic class will actually watch. Yeah because it's also where they it's where they have Great British Bake Off. Exactly. Like the thing is like what like shit being on History Channel or the Science Channel or Discovery Channel doesn't matter to people who don't really watch those types of television. But when it comes for their Netflix, for like, you know, when they start seeing Ancient Apocalypse on the splash screen before they open up Stranger Things, right? that's all of a sudden when it matters. When this is a thing that has been poisoning our society for decades at this point without anybody really drawing much attention to it. I mean, even just the show Ancient Aliens, as we've talked about before, has been on for, I mean, almost 20 years, it feels Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, so I think it's on season 16 right now. So, I mean, and I'm sure at that point it just becomes noise, right? And so having something like now Netflix is like, here's a similar thing, but now it's now it's in a place, it's a new, a new format, new place. Yeah. Suddenly people are paying attention to it, which is which is good that I'm glad people are paying attention to it in, in regard, like in trying to do the stuff that we have been doing, which is like looking into it, debunking it, talking about the context behind the people who've made it and things like that. Um, but I think it's, uh, yeah, there's no shortage of, of this stuff that's, that's out there that's besides ancient apocalypse that people are going to continue to watch yeah. anyway. And it makes things make sense. Like, uh, you and I were on a Jose video last year mm-hmm. that was talking about the fact that Tucker Carlson, uh, had made a streaming documentary about freaking UFOs. Yeah. And like, th- like this connection is one that doesn't get explored much, but I think that there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, furthermore, the other thing too and this is another like kind of bugbear about me with ancient apocalypse specifically is that hancock has a very special hatred of the field of archaeology and archaeology is a field that is not very well funded by the universities that uh that have them so they very often rely on public interest and trust to get the money that they need to do their proper work and excavations that they do to do things properly because yeah. archaeology is expensive to do and mm-hmm. they need media attention and public knowledge to really survive to get grant funding and to do digs and poisoning that relationship is going to directly hurt the field because people who might have an interest in something like archaeology are now going to start believing that there's some grand conspiracy of archaeologists who are trying to take down the truth about the world or whatever. Right. And that's, I mean, that's not going to make anything better, right? Like at that no. point, we're not, we're only going to get more conspiracy theories and net, we're not actually going to get any kind of real research done. Yeah. You know, I got one last uh, fun fact about um, the experience 
the explanation for this that I think is interesting. Well, cool, because I also I have one final fun fact about Graham Hancock's horoscope. So we could we could close okay. out here with these things. Well, OK, so Netflix has had a it has been sort of in crosshairs lately for a lot of different reasons, like like Ancient Apocalypse has been on Netflix, but also like we were talking like I think talk about how they did Dave Chappelle specials and sure did. all sorts of stuff that has been really questionable lately, which is really weird because Netflix had like the first prominent like trans television star that really was con- like whose like stardom yeah. was considered like the turning point on trans rights and somehow has degenerated to to this um mm. but uh, if you wanted to bring this up this is this is the this is the final fun fact if you wanted to bring up complaints about this kind of stuff like ancient apocalypse being on netflix you can talk to a specific person um it is the president of uh, unscripted originals who works at netflix um whose name is sean okay sean hancock no who happens they're not to, related they're not related is, though sean hancock aka graham hancock's son no <laughs> um no <laughs> you what yeah the 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 president you, of I unscripted originals believe, on netflix is graham hancock's I son can't, i tristan i cannot believe you held that in for so <laughs> what Unbelievable! I am like peeking my microphone. I'm so flabbergasted at that reveal that you are the magicians to the gods with that prestige. Oh my God. So Sean Hancock, AKA the actual son of Graham Hancock is the, uh, is in charge of making the documentaries. So if you're surprised why something weird like ancient apocalypse showed up on Netflix out of nowhere, this may be a reason why. Don't be, don't be surprised. Oh, that's much better than what I was going to say about his horoscope. He, I was he's gonna, a Nepo dad. <laughs> he's a Nepo dad. I was in, in classic horoscope fashion. I was Googling to see if there was any other interpretation of Leo that would fit uh, Graham Hancock better. You know, just trying to find the thing that fits and uh, disregarding everything that doesn't fit. And I, uh, I found I found that Leo's in regard to their career, money and success traits they bring a fiery intensity to everything they do, including work. And when they believe in what they're doing, there's no stopping them. And I think that is pretty much Graham Hancock. Yep, he man. believes what he's doing and there is no stopping this person, sadly. So so on that on that fun note, um, hey, do, do you want to listen to more? If, if you heard that and were like, hey, I want more of this podcast, um, you can tell us all of your, uh, your Graham Cock uh, theories and memes and uh, fan arts to at Probs Not Aliens on Twitter. Yeah, tell us that. Also, if you haven't seen Tristan's video, his magnum opus about ancient apocalypse. If this is my magnum opus, I'm very, I'm gonna be very disappointed in myself. What if it's just an opus, not yet, not the magnum opus? How's that? Yeah, this uh, work of my unhinged, uh, my unhinged, insane, like need to uh to to correct somebody who's been wrong on the internet uh, that turned into a two-hour mega video it is comprehensive 
then go check that out at uh, stepback, stepbackhistory.com. And Scott, if I wanted to explore nerd culture through uh, through curiosity and vulnerability, that's me. Uh, where that's would I where would I find that very specific combination of things? Oh, you can you can do that. That's my channel, Nerd Sync, N E R D S Y N C. I'm in I'm making videos again. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, I should have made at least one or two videos. So I'm back at it. I'm doing quick videos covering some. There's a lot of weird news that's been happening lately, especially around Scooby Doo. So this is Scooby Doo having a weird has having a weird one. Right now. <laughs> Scooby Doo's having a weird one right now. Thank you to everyone for writing reviews of this show. I've been getting notifications about more, more and more reviews. I get notifications anytime someone writes a review. So if you want to fill my inbox with good things, um, please write a review of the show. It really helps us out. And uh, you can also tell your friends about this show uh, because that's a fantastic way to spread it around, keep us growing, and get this information out there. Like the fact that Graham Hancock is directly related to someone who works at a high up job at Netflix. What a weird thing that I learned today. Uh, and the best place you can send people is a very simple website, probsnotaliens.com. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's it, right? Until next time, my name is Scott Nicewater. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Probably. I don't even know what I was doing with that one. Probably. It was almost like um it's like a sing-songy. Probably. Like if we had a probably superhero, that would be their catchphrase. Probably. Probably.